Lab Rats. Welcome to Send This to Trace. I'm Hannah. I'm Emily. And we're two best friends who are recapping one of our favorite shows, CSI Crime Scene Investigation. Join us as we make our way through the top 50 ranked episodes and get a heaping dose of 2000s nostalgia along the way. Let's get to it! Woo! That won't go right. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Send This to Trace. What's up? Hope y'all are doing fantastic. Yeah, yes. On this lovely Tuesday that you'll be listening to this. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yes. So we want to do a little bit more personal interaction during this podcast. So we're going to do a little how you doing segment at the beginning here. Yeah, yes. So Emily, how you doing? What you been up to? Oh, I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> just living. Uh, just living. Uh, not much, you know, just working and... Adulting. Adulting. Adulting sucks. <laughs> you know? Some days it'll just whoop you in the butt. We'll just for sure. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yes, mother, we cuss. Oh, yeah, Emily's mom is not used to hearing <laughs> us uh, say shit and ass. And <laughs> you like shit that. ass. Yeah. <clears throat> well, might as well just combine it. So, yeah, she's, we apologize uh, to anyone listening who doesn't realize that we cuss or maybe isn't quote unquote comfortable with it. Yeah. Sorry. Just just know that that's it will be a natural This is friend speak. Thing. This yeah. Is how we talk. This is, we're we're pretty wild together. Um, <laughs> wild and <laughs> we're wild and um yeah, no, we're probably the most boring people on the planet on as the planet. as far as like we don't do too many shenanigans outside of like <laughs> honestly. <laughs> we were still good kids. Kids. We didn't get too wild until uh, all of these shows where like kids are doing crazy stuff like going out late. I know. Right? Like I just I can't relate to. I this. never. Yeah. No. I wasn't about the party life. Of course, I was a nobody in high school anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were part of the band, so that's true. I you had, like, had a little more status. A click. <laughs> you had a little more status than I did, and I just kind of followed you around like a lost puppy. So. <laughs> we made it though. We did. We yes, by the it. grace of God. I passed high school because of Hannah. So <laughs> this has been a nice, fun little project. I'm like a project person, so like I have yes, I have anxiety, and so whenever I come home from work, I like to like have something to do and like mess with, and so I'll come home and be like, I'll do a TikTok or I'll write the summary for the episode or I'll edit the episode, and it's actually really helped my mental health quite a bit. So yeah, absolutely, so and <laughs> you have definitely kept me on track a little more. I'm still a little squirrely. Um, I'm a schedule hoe, like I. <laughs> You know, I try to be, I try to be, but I literally have zero concept of time. <laughs> zero. This is true. You never have really. Is it? I have it. I come into this world late, and it, I, I feel mm-hmm. like that that set the tone for my personality. For just being it's just being like, I genuinely try. I genuinely try. But, you know, it just, it just gets me every time. Zero <laughs> sense of time. It drives my husband nuts. It drives my family and my friends nuts. Like, I, they just know. <laughs> unfortunately, just unfortunately, growing up together, uh, you would trick me. Um, I did. Time-wise. Like, oh, we need to be here. It's 15 minutes to a half hour before we actually <laughs> need to be there. And I hate to say it, it did work. It does. Know. It does, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but anyways, I wouldn't be the person that I am today without Hannah Banana. We're in season two now. Yeah, hey, yeah. I yeah. can't say that. We're in season two. Oh, yeah, two. we like totally just This is the back. first ranked episode of season two. And season two has quite a bit of the top 50 episodes in it, which is really considering, exciting, yeah. considering how early on it was. Yeah, so, absolutely. I'm ready for a good season to get going. Yes. We have skipped a lot of episodes in between the finale of season one and this episode in season two. So this is season two, episode eight. So we've got a seven episode stretch in there yes. that we've got stuff that we've skipped over in this summary bit. So this episode is called Slaves of Las Vegas. And I figure since we skipped some episodes, we could start with a, a new segment called Where We Come From. <laughs> <laughs> Where are we coming Where from? Where we point out like the big things in our characters' lives that we have skipped over because of this time jump and the way that we're doing this podcast. So I made a few notes of things that I could remember from just casually watching the episodes in between while doing other things. Mm -hmm. So we have Catherine's dad. We we get our first look at Catherine's dad in the first episode of this season, I believe. Sam, who is like a mega rich, like casino. Is that who that was? Yeah. 
Sorry, just, I don't... just no. It's fine. They kind of like dance over it because the victim okay. in that episode is his son. So it's Catherine's half sibling. His uh, his casino owner's son as well. Yes, but mm-hmm. that's her stepdad. Or is her, it her no? Bi- it's her biological dad. He just like never married her mom. So that's what. It that's was. what it is. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. It's her sorry. Biological dad, but <clears throat> totally yeah. missed that. No, you're good. Yeah. And he plays a really. He's in a ton of episodes moving forward. So this is like his first. That was like his first introduction. I was wondering why so, he looked familiar. Yeah. So if we refer to Sam or Catherine's dad, that's who that is. He plays the mean guy in Shiloh. Have you ever seen Shiloh? As a kid. Have I seen Shiloh? Do you know how many times <laughs> we watched that in school? Well, oh, that's true. We did. Cause it's a that and Holes. Uh, yeah. Oh, Holes. Have I seen Shiloh? That is like a sappy movie at its finest. Okay. Shiloh was my childhood. It was my personality for a long, long time. Absolutely. And so Judd Travers is Catherine's dad. Yes. Okay. I... <laughs> So, so I was wondering why he looked familiar when I watched that. Yeah. I was like, what else have I That's seen? That's what I know him from is that. Yes. That is hilarious. Uh-huh. Have I seen Shiloh? Also, Are we even best friends? <laughs> okay. We also have, so Nick reveals that he was abused as a child. Did you get to that? Yes. Yes. That was terrible. So yes. there's an episode where this young young boy is It's episode killed. two, I episode think. Episode two or three. No, three. Where he's killed at his therapist's office and there's... Uh-huh. Th- th- Episode four. Episode four. My bad. It turns out that he wasn't sexually abused by his therapist, but Nick is very personally involved in the case, and he kind of thinks that he might have been sexually abused by her. And Catherine's like, why are you so, like, gung-ho about this case? And he said he was abused by a babysitter when he was younger, and that was yes. really sad. And, and like, I his character, like, like, he was, like, it kind of pulled at my heartstrings. He's a fantastic actor. Yeah. I didn't appreciate him as an actor as a child because he's just Nick, you know? Right, he's just but Nick. But, like, he delivers those emotional scenes, like... Oh. Yeah, it got me. And a few episodes we get to in a couple seasons, if you're a fan, you probably know which ones I'm talking about. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, he gets me every time. Yeah, he's he's actually a little more sensitive than he, like, really lets on to be. Yeah, he because is. he's, like, you know, him and Laura got Texan. that... <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. He is from Texas. Yeah, he's Texan. Oh. He, uh, him and Warwick have that bromance going yeah. on, and he like tries to act all tough and stuff. Yeah, I he was very vulnerable in that episode. Very, I, very I noticed that too. Yeah. We also have, I wrote this down. Grissom's quote unquote autism. So we have an episode in between where there is an autistic man who works at this like rare books library or like collection or whatever. Yes. And a lot of the other CSIs have trouble like interviewing him they're kind of like this guy's weird like all this stuff he's not giving us the information we need but Grissom is like very much kind of relates to this guy in kind of a way mm-hmm. and like throughout the episode Nick will be like this guy's like a lot like you like you know in his like he focuses like hyper focused and knows a lot about like a specific thing and all of that stuff mm-hmm. and you can tell Grissom's kind of like wow you know you're kind of right and He's, he obviously doesn't, like, go get diagnosed or anything like that in the episode. But right. he, his brain's thinking about that kind of stuff. He's digging deeper into himself. You can see that in his expressions, like mm-hmm. his facial expressions, yeah. his body language. That's in episode seven. Uh-huh. Where he's talking about, like, um, where the episode's called Caged. Uh-huh. Um, and he... So, in, in season one... Uh, Grissom is not very personable, mm-hmm. especially with the victims or like any kind of sort of emotion. He keeps his emotions very weighty down. Yes. And so I feel like this guy, this little autistic guy mm-hmm. in this scene, like I feel like he just kind of like broke that shell a little bit. Yeah. He was and like, like the he's first, like, he was really like the crap, first I can relate to like, him. Yeah. He wasn't a victim. He kind of turned out to be a little bit uh, well, of a victim, but he wasn't killed. But he, right, he got caught up connecting in connecting with somebody that mm-hmm. was part of the case, which mm-hmm. was really, really cool. Yeah, so. and, like, his tendencies, and, like, he understood how his brain was working mm-hmm. because he could relate to that. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, n- I noticed that um, for sure. Yeah, so those are kind of the big things happening with our with our crew. Yes. And hopefully that gets us up to speed to this episode. I'm so excited. Yes. I love this yes. episode. Love it so much. And the style is getting a little better. It's Yes. Greg's hair, not so much. Nope. It's <laughs> almost it's... gotten worse. We'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. Okay. So, let's start off with the summary of our episode, Season 2, Episode 8, Slaves of Las Vegas. This episode is also ranked number 44 on the list. Oh, so I, I meant to ask you again. that. We're down <clears> to <throat> the bottom a little bit, but 
that makes me excited for all that's to come. If this episode yes. about so much is down for the bottom, we got some good coming. Yes, yes. All right. So here we go with the summary of Slaves of Las Vegas. Case number one. The episode opens with two young lovers gleefully chasing one another around a city park at night, as one does. How romantic Ugh, is what uh, I put. I'm like, well, let's frolic in a playground in the middle of the night. They fall into the sand, kissing, and discover a face peering out at them in one of the sand piles. As I put, I would poop my skeleton. I... Uh, I don't know how far the relationship would go after that, but... <laughs> I put down, you tap on me in the sand and I'm going to hit you. <laughs> I don't like sand. I don't want it in myself, in my hair. Like, no. If that doesn't just define our personalities, I don't know what Falling does. <laughs> on, a grassy, on a grassy hill, sure, that's cute. Not in sand. Not in sand. It. You'll find sand for days and it just, yeah. Anyway, no. we have a body in the sand. <laughs> Catherine and Grissom are called to the scene. And Grissom notices that the sand doesn't seem to have been disturbed at all. Like, it's literally just a face poking out of, like, a volleyball court type of thing. So disgusting. And that means that the murder happened somewhere else and that the body was obviously buried there deliberately so that it would be easily found by somebody. Mm -hmm. The pair begin sifting through the sand and slowly uncovering the body. Back at the lab, Grissom begins washing and photographing the body. He finds restraint marks on the victim's wrist and ankles, as well as multiple bruises all over her body. She has a sparkly substance on her leg and a bit of silver stuck to her back. So, um, going back to like the sandbox, um, th- like sifting through the sand, first of all, can you imagine the nasty stuff that they found in that sand? No. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Second of all... Besides a dead body, you've got other... Right, things. yeah. Like, and like the scene kind of like, they like do a moat around her. Yeah, they do. Or like it's, it's, it's very much like archaeological how they like Right, which I mean it makes so sense cool. because it's I mean evidence in the sand is like you know nearly yeah, well, impossible. Well, Catherine, Catherine says something about like that like oh this is like, such a bitch. Like, like pining for gold that, or something. Yeah. yeah. Um also since when does Grissom do this to the body in the, in the autopsy? Okay, I wrote that down too. Like I, I was really confused. Spends a long time washing her body like I mean it was and they like show, minutes. They show bits. I put that down too. They I show sh- Tata's. I literally put down in my notes. In I said a nipple. <laughs> a nipple. <laughs> in passing. It was a fake nipple too. You could tell. Like a dead body, you're gonna have a hard nipple like that. I'm sorry. I feel like so. Maybe they do. I don't know. I mean, there. you know, it is cold. But then I figured that she actually looked more real. Like she, she did. Like the um, instead of like the, I know they put a lot of makeup and stuff uh-huh. on, on like the autopsy, you yeah, know, whatever scenes. But she looked a little more real, and that nipple looked really real. It, yeah, it looked real because you said <laughs> a nipple. <laughs> and it was, it was just like a passing by. Just a like, little tiny nipple. Oh, so just on the <laughs> Public. And I was like, like cable TV. We were watching. Go. We were watching we this. Had a whole we're... butt. <laughs> she, you could see her entire rear end. Whenever oh, she, I was kind of impressed with CBS for not. And I was like, that. oh. But the way that the body was, it reminded me a lot of Silence of the Lambs. Have you seen Silence of the Lambs? No. Probably not. Let's just say that because Italy, I don't. I don't do stuff like it's that. It's very, very spooky, and it's not as. I can do suspense, but it reminds me of how when they do an autopsy in Silence of the Lambs, how the body is like colored, like how make how the props department like makes it. Right. Like she looked very realistic as a. Corpse. I, that sounds so weird. But uh, yeah, it's yeah. We're adults props now. Props to the props department. <laughs> <laughs> we're adults now, so as kids, we probably didn't. As like preteens, we probably yes. didn't think like. Or we weren't mortified by seeing a nipple in a butt. Yeah. But, I mean, <clears throat> I'm glad you noticed that because I was like, oh, it, it's wow. showing a lot. Either that they either they took that out or, like, as far as, like, showing it on TV. Yeah. Because, you know, sometimes, like, they'll release, like, un, unedited versions, yeah. I guess, of, like, episodes when uh-huh. it comes to, like, that. And I was like... It's like, dang, this is season two. We're already getting we're already nudies. Getting, getting swanky. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I'm glad we good. both had that same squirrel yes, moment I because I, I wrote like, that down specifically. I yes, like, I did too. Your Take your time. <laughs> yes. Um, in autopsy, Dot discovers that the woman was killed only two to four hours prior to her being found. She has both old and new scars all over her body, which signals chronic abuse to the teen. However, she hasn't been sexually active in months. Grissom also notes that the victim took great care of herself as far as, like, physical appearance is concerned. So she mm-hmm. has manicured, her hair is, like, perfect and washed and beautiful. And Catherine notes she has top-tier breast implants, 
which I love that Catherine is so well versed in breast implants. Yeah, so. she's like all about it. Yeah, but also um, on a serious note, because I mean that it was funny. She was like, mm, she's got some. Uh, those are expensive yeah, those are tall expensive tall. ones. Um, those are not. Uh, what did she say? Uh, shoot, she said some sort of island, like not some sort of like cheap. Bosch yeah, kind not, of thing. One, not ones you have to like travel south to. Get. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, she, but also look at the lifestyle that she had before. I know. Was I know. <clears throat> so she like kind of recognizes that stuff a little easier, yeah. I think, with women. In case um, you all aren't aware, Catherine used to be a stripper in Las Vegas. Yes. And she used to work in one of the clubs. And there's some really great scenes with Greg, actually, where she talks about being a stripper <laughs> with him. That was so funny. Yes. He, there's one point where he's like, maybe I saw you dance one time. Because we used to go to that club, my friends and I, on like payday oh, Friday. Gosh. And she's like, you didn't. And he was like, how are you so sure? And she was like, you would have remembered. And oh, I was like, yes! And he's crazy. actual video and we posted good god at Hannah's face. Oh, I think we just screamed. I'm so sorry, I wrote down that Catherine's, Catherine's past is so interesting to me. It's fascinating. And I'm yeah. sure we'll get more information as like the series goes and, like, on. It kind of builds it. on it. Yeah. It's all not just like given to you out of, out of the blue. Right. Like, you have to, Which you have to I like that me because too. it shows her character development as far as like her maturity uh-huh. and like where she's come and like yep. she's a very strong woman and we'll get to that in um further in this episode. I put yeah. some notes of like how like very as strong a, she is. As a writing major we're told in, I was told in college all the time, show, don't tell. Show, don't tell. So, like, huh. instead of Catherine just being like, I used to be a stripper. I know all of this stuff because I used to be a stripper. You just, like, see it in her actions as she does things. And oh, that's what makes something compelling. So that makes when, sense. So, when you're writing, that's what you try to have to do is not just have your characters just give explanation of why they're used. Like, it keeps you a little more intrigued in the character versus, yeah. like, knowing it and moving on. It makes it real and three-dimensional. Yes. And I love it. Yeah, that's that's actually a pretty good, mm-hmm. pretty good way of explaining that. So, Greg determines that the silver on the back of the victim is likely from a coated chain and that the sparkly substance is liquid latex. Catherine successfully tracks down the doctor who placed the breast implants and he identifies the victim as Mona Taylor. He provides the team with the address up to Mona's place of employment. Um, the doctor's name is Sydney Cornfield. No, it's not. It is. Stop. That is so funny. <laughs> Dr. Cornfield. I need to know who named Working on them boobies. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to that corn. <laughs> I found that funny. And when I was watching it, Catherine, like, confronts him in, like, his office, I guess. And there's, like, women sitting there. They're just, like, like, oh, God. They're just, like, yeah, they're just, like, (laughs) eavesdropping on it. And she comes in with, like, this, uh... This boob. Container with this silicone boob in it. And, Lord, I said that really country. Silicone boob. Silicone boob. <laughs> and uh, he's like, yes, that is my, that is my That's work. That's my and work. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm, I'm like, recognize yeah, Dr. Work. Cornfield, I bet you'd recognize your work. Oh, Lord of mercy. Anyway, <laughs> Mona's work address leads the team to a, to a Dracula-esque mansion where the team is greeted by Lady Heather. I love Lady Heather. Very, very much. I don't remember a ton of her storyline because this aired, obviously, in, like, 2001, 2002. So, it's been a while since I've watched some of her episodes. But uh-huh. she's a very fascinating character to me. Lady Heather is a dominatrix. Yes. Or she owns a, owns a like, she fetish owns house. She owns a, yeah. yes, yeah. So, she not only is in that industry, but she, like, um, creates that environment. Like, a, like yeah. you said, like a fetish club. She's a businesswoman. Yeah, she's a businesswoman. So, the mansion houses a fetish club where Mona took clients. Her car is found in the mansion's driveway. And the team begins their search of the place. 
So it was really funny because when Lady Heather answers the door, they like look her up and down. Did you? Yes. I was like, she's not wearing anything like too crazy, like she too risque like or a, whatever. Like yeah, a tank top. <laughs> she, I mean, she's it's like a corset kind of tank top yeah. thing, and I mean, it's really not that. It's really I mean, not that crazy. The, you see less clothing on a stripper yeah. in, in Vegas. You know what I mean? Like, mm. <laughs> like why are they surprised? Like, oh my gosh, this woman's <laughs> like a century. So. The team begins their search of the place, and Nick finds similar liquid latex in the garbage can to the piece that Greg found on the victim. The latex contains an imprint of what appears to be a watch. Lady Heather tells Grissom and Brass that Mona would have left the mansion around midnight from the pool house where she spent time with her clients. So there was a really, really funny moment in the segment while they're like walking through the mansion, like Grissom and Brass and Lady mm-hmm. Heather, where uh, Brass asks, did you hear any screams at all last night? <laughs> I've noticed that. Wow. He says that. There's like screams and yes. like whipping going on like in the background. The entire time they're walking and through the house. You can tell Lady Heather's like, come on. Like, seriously? <laughs> Do you think I heard screams? Yes. And that like kind of made me uncomfortable. I'm a little bit of a prude when it comes to that kind of stuff. But um, it made it me just, laugh so hard. I was like, these like constant yells in the yeah, background. Yeah, it, it was funny because it sounded, obviously, it sounded fake and like very dramatized or yeah. whatever. But I was like, oh, yeah. I'm kind of like brass. I'm just like, all right. Ooh, okay. like, yeah, this is what we're doing. It makes me This is what we're bit. working yeah. with here. So Lady Heather and Grissom have a talk in the mansion about his preconceived notions about the fetish club and its role in Mona's murder. So Grissom's kind of like, she worked in a fetish club. You know, that's kind of a quote-unquote dangerous uh profession or whatever right yeah and Grissom tells Lady Heather that Mona's whip marks are fresh which is why he has that preconceived notion Mm -hmm. and Lady Heather's really surprised by this she said because Mona's a dominant so she inflicts pain on others for pleasure instead of the other way around so Mm -hmm. she takes submissive clients and she's the dominatrix it's usually like what this fetish club is is usually men coming to get dominated by women yes like it's that was like the main that's their prompt yes the primary Mona's. lady heather hypothesizes that because mona saw some clients off the books she was a switch with those other clients meaning that she because she could become submissive with other clients right. as well depending on what they want like outside of the mansion yeah and well and lady well, heather said that she let her bring some schedule, off the book clients yeah. into the mansion because mona was such a draw like she had a lot oh, of clients gotcha. and yeah. like made a lot of money for the place. Mm-hmm. So she let her bring other off-the-books clients in if she wanted to. Grissom really enjoys the conversation with Lady Heather because she goes toe-to-toe with his mannerisms and with his, uh, like, intellect. Yes. Yeah. yeah. She's he, very much his match. Like, as far as, like... She notices his body language. Uh-huh. Um, and, like, she's, she says when she sits down with him um, to talk about, you know, this and the other, um, that... She basically, like, reads him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I can tell what people want without them honestly even knowing or wanting to admit. Yeah. So. She's very <clears throat> sharp. And she, like I said, she can go toe-to-toe with Grissom, which mm-hmm. is not easy to do. So right. he really respects her for that after that conversation. I mm-hmm. think. Catherine and Nick search the pool house where Mona took her clients and find the chains that could have left the silver on Mona's body. Nick is a general prude and scoffs <laughs> at the fetish lifestyle, while Catherine points out that everyone's a bit weird sometimes. I thought right. that was really funny. I wrote mm-hmm. down, uh, come on, Nick, be freaky. <laughs> <laughs> Get freaky with it, Nick. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I love the dynamic of that scene, mm-hmm. because Nick, like you said, is like a prude, and he's like, oh God, like, why would people yeah, want to do this? Yeah, weird. And coming from Catherine's background, where she was into sex, mm-hmm. sex work, or like just stripping, yeah. or whatever, I don't think she was really into, like, the sex work, right? I don't think she was, was a prostitute. Just a stri- I think it was just uh, stripping. Just the stripping. But, yeah. But, like, that dynamic of, like, this really off-the-wall, kind of, like, out-of-the-norm mm-hmm. thing. It was, it was like, a really good scene to, like, really kind of put everybody into it. perspective of, like, yeah, it could be really weird. But at the same time, like, you just don't understand what... It's, she said, specifically says you just don't understand what humans are actually capable of. Yeah. Like, it, it just... Nobody can. Right. So, I, I thought that was a really interesting scene. I really scene. liked that scene a lot. Especially I, with their characters. Like, <clears throat> Nick being a little more sensitive, and, like, Catherine has, like, kind of been through... I mean, Nick's from Texas. He's a, he's yeah. a simple boy. <laughs> he's a simple man. <laughs> <coughs> he ain't all, all in this, uh, this craziness here. I also wrote down, uh, Lady Heather's really done some remodeling to this place. 
because there was one part where there's a whole like classroom set up in this room for this dominatrix to like oh yes to be like the teacher the teacher the, like student yeah. thing and she like made a whole ass classroom <laughs> People have weird fetishes. I mean, she yeah. went all out. Yeah. I, I was kind of impressed. I mean, go big or go home, sister. Lay, oh, wait. I skipped a little bit. Sorry, here we go. Doc determines that Mona's cause of death was asphyxiation, and he notices red marks inside Mona's nose, which Grissom believes to be straw marks. That made my nose hurt. I know, I hated that. <coughs> and they zoomed in on, like, the anatomy the, of it, yeah. and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> he believes she was using the straws to breathe. Um, yeah, and it's, <laughs> who was it that said, uh, like, are they using the straws for, like, cocaine or something? Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, well, I mean, oh, you know, get all up in there. Maybe, but. Guess, but that was a stretch. <laughs> Lady Heather allows the team to return to her mansion whenever they want to collect evidence without a warrant because she says she wants to help. She and Catherine bond over each having a daughter and become the greatest dream team of all time. Mm-hmm. I loved that scene so much. Yes. They're both was, just girl bosses. Like, but not that like also shows what kind of lady, what what kind of person Lady Heather is. Yeah. Like, she's not this some, like... She's not a weirdo. It's just, she's not a weirdo. Like, she's a normal person, like, quote-unquote normal person. Like, she's mm-hmm. still is a human. Like, she still has these feelings of, yeah. <clears throat> you know, this, that, and the other. Like, she's not like a... What am I trying to say? Like, not necessarily like a pimp, but like a. She's not. She's she not about see. the like, right. You know? Yeah, like she's not like about the money. She's about uh-huh. the whole experience and yeah. Stuff. So that she that shows like cares about people. Right. And like her daughter like goes to Harvard and she's like a businesswoman right. who makes all makes bank on what she does and she runs yeah. a, runs a really tight ship and. Catherine asked her like how much she brings in a week, and she says ten thousand. She's like, Catherine was like, I'm not the IRS. Yeah, like okay, twenty thousand. Okay, maybe twenty. <laughs> <laughs> Good lord! I mean, really, I twenty thousand dollars a week? <clears throat> That's crazy. But their bond and that scene is actually really good. Yeah, it. They just like I do agree with that. So quickly, just became the dream team. I want them to solve cases too. Can Lady Heather like join the season? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> be a um a console. Greg's tests reveal which of the masks and straws from the pool house contain Mona's DNA. So the team begins focusing on whose DNA is on the other end of those straws. Meanwhile, Grissom and Catherine track down the watch that the imprint was found in the liquid latex. They determine that the watch is very expensive and narrow the owner down through jewelry store receipts. The owner is Cameron Nelson. Uh When questioned, Cameron, Mr. Nelson, denies purchasing the watch, so the team moves on to his wife, Eileen. Eileen is a corporate litigator, while Cameron stays at home with their son, Dylan. She's ugly, by the way. She's a piece of work. (laughs) Eileen Eileen says that she bought the watch, but that it was lost while she was away on business. When Grissom and Catherine obtain a warrant, they search the watch's empty box in the Nelson's home and find a bit of liquid latex inside. Mm -hmm. So very interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's on her business trips, canoodling with uh, God knows who in her firm. This is what Catherine has to say to uh, Cameron whenever they uh, interview him about what he, because he's a stay-at-home dad, and he's real flustered and like all that stuff. And Mm -hmm. this is what Catherine says. she said that I love it I absolutely love it I feel like I I do agree with that it's like it's total rocket science when it comes to the way men handle things and it's women are just like oh god you have to carry a baby around like wham why do you why do you make that look like that's just like the hardest thing on the the hardest thing in the world yeah it's like I need both of these man (laughs) oh I skipped something actually I wrote down um Lady Heather in everyday life because she's like out of like her makeup and stuff yes, and all of it. Like get later up. on, <clears throat> I said Lady Heather in everyday life is a bad bitch. I love her. <laughs> <laughs> she's a, see that that shows that she's not like just about business. She actually like she's has a personality. Mm-hmm. She she is a human. She can relate to to yes. people on a personal level and not just a business level. Mm-hmm. And I do like that scene like where he sits, Grissom sits down with her. Yeah, and is like. Um, she basically tells him she like, psychoanalyzes him yeah which and is where we are next he makes him it makes him uncomfortable yep um, which is very noticeable mm-hmm. so like we said Grissom returns to Lady Heather's mansion to ask her about the Nelsons and whether she knows them he shows her a picture and Lady Heather deduces that because of the couple's body language their marriage isn't one of passion Eileen is definitely the more dominant one 
Lady Heather prides herself on being able to read people, Mm -hmm. and she guesses that this makes Grissom nervous around her, since his greatest fear is being known for who he is. Yes, he's very, very reserved. Um, Especially like when we talked about in season one, how Sarah is a little more sensitive, Mm -hmm. and Grissom kind of calls her out on it, and like doesn't have like really a life yeah. outside of work kind mm-hmm. of thing and now it's like his shell is starting to be broken down by just this one person and like the autism uh yeah. guy and then now this it's like slowly breaking down his walls of like who he truly is yeah and he's not thrilled about it right he's not like it like, <laughs> like people are noticing <laughs> yeah she knows yes so Catherine and grissom return to the nelson home and they begin searching searching cameron's car where they find a sandy jacket Eileen, acting as Cameron's attorney, publicly berates him anytime he speaks. Oh, she, she just he can't do anything without no. and I don't like the whole like, oh, the woman's a shrew, like she's she's such a nag, all that I don't like that. But it's not really that. From but then, how I'm reading it, it kind of sounds that way. But she's just definitely, she's so dominant that Cameron doesn't have any sort of autonomy at all. Or confidence to, yeah. to that. Because Which she's is like, not an excuse for what he did. But we'll. we'll oh, yeah, no, absolutely. We'll that, yeah. But. It's, but you can all, honestly see the dynamic of like, I mean, do you kind of blame him for going to a different outlet to. to no, I don't. Release that kind yeah. of like tension. Mm-hmm. But then I, I definitely agree. I don't agree with like what, um, what he, did. he actually ends up doing. Yep. So. so fed up with this dynamic they've got going on, Cameron finally breaks his silence and tells the truth. He has been frequently frequenting Lady Heather's fetish club as Mona's off-the-books client, where he can act dominantly for the only time in his life. He covers Mona in liquid latex and puts Eileen's watch on her as a way of being dominant over his wife. Mm-hmm. He admits to taking things too far and plugging Mona's breathing straws for too long. Cameron is arrested for Mona's murder, but not before insinuating that the couple's son is not his and that Eileen hasn't allowed him to have sex with her in years. Uh, yes, um, and I think he specifically said like three years. Yeah. So going back to the um, like her business trips and stuff... Catherine and Grissom, or I think it was Catherine, mm-hmm. said that, um, oh, well, uh, are you saying that a couple hundred dollars by just having one room with your colleague? What? Yeah. S- saving a couple hundred dollars my butt. Yeah. Like, they were canoodling. He's not and, her. Yeah. And so, like, that just goes to show that the baby is not actually his. Mm-hmm. And it just, yeah. It's they, just a they've whole, got a very messed up relationship. And yeah. poor Mona just kind of, she just got kind of paid sucked the price in the middle. Yeah. Really sad. It's, but she was doing her job, mm-hmm. and he that was a good release for him. Yeah. But the relationship he actually had with his wife was just escalating. Yeah. And that's how he took it out. You know, and it's just, it's very unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. Very sad. For anyway, sure. That is the end of this episode. There was, okay, I also skipped something that Greg does in this episode. Yes. Where he... When they're looking at the straws and the, the masks, Grissom is explaining, like, maybe Mona was a switch, and, like, she was dominant sometimes and submissive. And Greg says this really, like, very great line. My guess is that she was a switch for her off-the-books clients. <laughs> you know what a switch is? Someone who's dominant as well as submissive. Oh, he's even got the lingo down. <laughs> <laughs> His, like, just quirkiness... Is blooming. It is. It and is this, so funny. It's like, hilarious. And then he sticks sharp, sharpies up his nose. <laughs> yes. Which, I saw that. our TikTok if you want to see a little Greg compilation. That we yes, absolutely. Time. Because this whole podcast is to um, gawk over Greg. But <laughs> season two, he's starting to like show his personality. He's his own. And it's absolutely hilarious. It's so And good. it just, yeah, whenever he... <laughs> put those sharpies in his nose i'm like what are we doing greg there's also one doing? more bit at the end that made me laugh in regards to uh to greg being who he is we have a problem i don't paint greg sanders in latex and stick a straw up his nose good you probably like it Especially after that interaction that he just had with the lab in the yeah, lab, girl. and he's like aggressive, just like yeah, I'm sure he would like you know that. The switches. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Anyway, uh, that was the end of case number one in this episode. We have a smaller second case going on while all of this stuff is happening. If you can believe that. Yes. So Emily, you may take it over yes. for case number two. Yes. So um, <clears throat> I feel 
like the theme of how they set these episodes up is when you have something a little more heavy, Mm -hmm. they break it up with something a little more light-hearted, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like, it's still a crime or whatever. Usually Um, nobody dies. Sometimes they do. Yeah, but it's not as, like, serious or, you know. It's the comic relief of the episode. Yes, for sure. Um, So, Sarah and Warwick are on this case. Um, they get called to a cash checking, uh, check cash, dyslexic, good God. Check cashing joint. Check cashing store <laughs> where a robbery has occurred. The victim, Sandy Cherna? Cherna. Is that, is it? okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, was shot in the leg while making his weekly bank run and was rushed to the hospital. He makes this a weekly habit, making him an easy target. Sandy's sister states that she heard a gun shot and saw a car drive off. I have a quote from Mrs. Delgado, Car- Carla. Oh, yes. The Carla. store owner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That made me cackle. This morning, everything was fine. Then some pendejo attacks my brother and we're out God knows how much money and now I'm stuck running this place alone. Um, Mrs. Delgado, I know you're upset. Upset? Upset's for white people, lady. I'm pissed off. Yes. Whoa. <laughs> business owners in this yes. episode. I love it. Yeah. Well, now that I just think about that, yeah, they're both, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's crazy. Um, so the sister states that she heard a gunshot and saw a car drive off. Sarah searches the premises while Warwick checks the parking lot. So while Warwick backs evidence in the parking lot, he notices a flyer on the ground that is absent from one of the cars. The other cars still have the flyer on the windshield. Um, Detective, right? Mm-hmm. Detective Vega states that the car without the flyer belongs to the victim, the, the one that got shot, Sandy. So, uh... Sarah finds the stolen money bag in a nearby alley. She hollers at Warwick and says that the bag has been sliced open and only contains checks and deposit slip, but no cash. Either someone was casing the place or it was an inside job, mm-hmm. which I totally agree with that. Um, it's It was just a whole messy, yeah. like, scenario. You could tell it wasn't done very smartly. Professionally, yeah. by any stretch of the means. Um, so, Carla, Del- uh, Carla Delgado, there we go is the store owner and confirms that the business has been in, uh, been there for six years. Customers use the business but don't like it because the store takes a percentage of the paycheck for the right to cash it, yeah. which, I mean, that's just business. you got to make money somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, so Warwick thinks the victim, Sandy, was in, in on it so he could collect the insurance money along with the money he stole, yep. which that makes sense. It does. Um, the team may have a potential uh, eyewitness. Uh, which actually ends up being the man that's putting the flyers on the cars. He he's the um, eyewitness. Um, so they Sarah and Detective Vega track down the potential eyewitness, which ends up being the person putting the flyers on the car. I totally got ahead of myself on that. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, he states that he was threatened by someone who didn't want their car touched, which I totally agree with that. Like, don't put crap on my car, please. Mm-hmm. And that he saw two guys in the baseball cap. Uh, in the parking lot of the check cashing store the night before. This eyewitness believes the make of the car was a Honda, but isn't too sure. The lab tech, Amy Young, um, she, I noticed that she was like a new lab yeah, tech person. Yeah, she's new. From down, like the person um, in season one, right? Maybe. Did she, maybe? Did was she replace maybe her? still there. I don't know. I don't know. They but do I noticed that it was like a different one. slowly add new people. And yeah. Like, and very Just quietly like, take people away. It's very confusing who's yeah. all in a lab at one time, so... But yeah, okay. I was I was wondering, like, if they, like, replaced her. Uh-huh. Um, anyways, um, so this lab tech, Amy, confirms that the tire tread found on the flyer that Warwick collected from the scene was from a Honda. Yep. There is also an imprint of something in the tire track. If the team can find the tire that the imprint... Um, with the imprint, they could find the shooter. Um, so that's, like, a kind of like the shoe print incident um, mm-hmm. that they have been doing a lot, uh, do the same thing with tire tread. Yeah. Uh, Bobby Dawson identifies the bullet in Sandy's leg. He's also another... He's the ballistics guy. Uh, okay. And he's so, around quite a bit. I, I call him Bobby in ballistics. And Bobby in ballistics. Him. He's so cute. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, no, he, I like that he, like, kind of comes in because yeah. he, he's, like, slowly coming in, too. Mm-hmm. I thought he looked familiar. Um, so Bobby identifies the bullet in Sandy's leg as having to be um, from a 38 caliber Colt, which turns out that's the same gun that Sandy owns. So Sarah and Detective Vega visit Sandy in the hospital and ask if he owns a Colt. He says yes and that he left it on the shelf behind the cash register in the store. 
Carla and her husband Hector visit Sandy in the hospital as well. So when that happens, Sarah and Detective Vega are just like looking at each other like, mm, okay, I'm just a little sus. Okay. <laughs> um, so that's just, it's just a weird interaction. The body language is like mm. just super weird. Um, so the lab tech Amy lets Sarah and Warwick know that the money bag they found was cut open with a knife that had fiberglass with a type of resin on it. Sarah and Warwick meet Vega at the fiberglass manufacturing company, which there are three in Vegas, but mm-hmm. they narrowed it down to the biggest one. Because of the resin. Because of the resin, yes. And um, and finds out that one of the employees uh, was, in fact, Hector Delgado. Mm-hmm. Delgado. There we go. <laughs> um, when questioned about the knife, Hector finally gives it over. Um, because Detective Vega speaks Spanish, so he kind of like, is like, okay, come on, man. Like, mm-hmm. let's just get this over with. Um, so when Sarah and Warwick go to check his car, Hector makes a run for it. Warwick catches him as he tries to hop over a barbed fence. Hector says that the Honda belongs to a friend of his and was promised nobody would get hurt. Um, in the interrogation room, Hector tried to bargain but was quickly denied. He did not do a very good job of that. No. Um, is <laughs> so I I mean, give him credit for trying. Yeah. You know. I probably did that. <laughs> just just don't tell Bob. Don't tell Bob. No. No. Um, Hector tells the truth by saying when he picked up Carla after her Wednesday shift, he stole the gun with intent on returning it in a few days. Um, uh, Left unnoticed. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hector called a friend to borrow his car since Sandy would easily recognize Hector's car. The two men robbed Sandy and accidentally shot him in the leg. Hector claims that Sandy and Carla had insurance on the money um, and Sandy's health, so nobody would really lose. Um, Carla tells Detective Vega that despite Hector being his husband, whoa, her, her husband, she hopes he he goes to jail for a long time. And in this conversation of, of that, Mm -hmm. Sandy's sitting there like, oh, well, is he going to, you know, just like really dogging Hector and Sater, oops, shit. Sarah later tells Carla that Sandy had $5,000 in his pants pocket. That he stole from her. Mm-hmm. That stole from Carla. Carla asked if Sandy would be arrested, and Sarah confirms that he would be. Yep, and so, jail. like, then she's just like, Carla was like, what the crap? Like, what are you doing? Like, you sit here and, like, trash talk my husband. Carla's fed up. And you're the dang lane that's, like, skimming money off. It. Oh, I was just, it was just borrowing. I was just borrowing. Yeah. I feel really? for her. Like, stupid. And men she's like, crap, just, like, arrest them all. The men in her life are not <laughs> up to her level. Yeah. They so, not. nothing too exciting. Um, I do love the... Um, "Quote unquote lightheartedness of that because yeah. the dominatrix one was pretty intense. It was pretty heavy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Carla is like she's a businesswoman uh-huh. and she ain't about it. Nope. She don't care if it's her husband or her brother. No, nope. skadoodle on out of here if you're gonna get me off. Me, yeah, then bye. Like yeah. Bye, <laughs> so bye, bye, yeah, bye. no, I, I really like this episode was very um, woman. Like woman power, Very girl power. Yeah. Like yeah, there we go. Like girl power. That's what I. That was the last note yeah. that I wrote. Was mm-hmm. girl power. I love it. For sure. Um, and in actually like different aspects, because the dominatrix owner of the mm-hmm. fetish club, she was like a good mix between businesswoman and just the industry that she was in. Yeah. Um, and a people person. Mm-hmm. Like she really cared about people. Um, Cameron's wife was a total. Um, just terrible person. Like she thinks she knows all the things. Yeah, and, like, she's a little bit. She had too that far. boastful, like woman, uh, like girl power. She was um, very, very haughty, and I know thinks her shit don't stink. Like confident, but to the extreme. Yeah, she wasn't yeah. like the um, not like good confident. Yes, yeah. She she was very uh, her title. Like she felt very entitled. I don't litigate her. I'm yeah. Wild. Yeah, and you're also ugly. So, <laughs> um. Anyways, and then Catherine. You have Catherine. She's she sees all these like different dynamics and like where she's come from. Like mm-hmm. that shows her girl power. Single mom, rising up that. Rise up, yes, yep. yeah. She like went from like a really rough lifestyle mm-hmm. to being really successful. Mm-hmm. And then you have Carla at the end. She's like, I don't care if you're my husband or my brother. I have a business to run. You're not going to screw me over. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is what we're doing, you yeah. know. Because sometimes, like unfortunately, women can be very um, 
naive in, yeah. in the sense of like the that power so when like when you show this whole episode of like no, nothing but like yeah women dominating the the power of business it's like oh <laughs> especially in shows in this time period it's kind yes, of like a for like the early to, 2000s yeah to have that many women in one episode being so like strong and right yeah no so it was it was definitely a really good episode yeah i loved it for sure. All right. Well, that's the end of the summary. Should we go into fashion for this episode? Yes. Okay. Catherine's hair has improved. It has. A lot. Mm-hmm. I I will give a credit on that. Compared to season one, her hair is doing much, much better. We're doing too many experiments. Yes. On that. Yeah. Sarah has this light green shirt, like this light olive green kind of like uh, collar shirt at one point. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Oh. Uh, it looked great yeah. on her. Well, I think it's while they're like interviewing the flyer guy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She looked great. Mm-hmm. Nick's wearing this corduroy jacket that was also great. I, I was watching with <laughs> yes. my husband, and I was like, I would wear that jacket right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, if loving it was in that my jacket. Closet, I would wear it all the yes. time. Yes. Um, his pants are getting better. Mm-hmm. We're not looking like a dang parachute um, with the wide hips and everything. So yeah. his pants are getting better. He's getting there. Thank you. Sarah has this really weird square shirt at one point that's got a bunch of like squares on it. It's yes. like yellow. I don't know about it. I don't know. Like, don't do that. It looks like something that Greg would wear, but it's part of Greg's character. Exactly. It's not part of Sarah's character. Is it? No. She's, she'll, she'll get her fashion later. She really embraces it, but this at this point, no. She's, yeah, she's no. Halfway she's halfway there. She, yeah, she's struggling. She also has matrix glasses at one point, too, that she puts on those sunglasses, oh. like little tiny, like... Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I noticed sunglasses. that. The sunglasses, listen, the early 2000s with the sunglasses is like... Of course, I mean, can't say much now. We, we look like bugs with yeah. the um, sunglasses that we've got today. But um, I don't know. It's it's a weird, it like, weird. dynamic of that. Yeah. So that's what I had for fashion. Excuse me. Greg's hair. Oh, yeah. Is, Greg. Yeah. Greg's hair in his fashion. His fashion is still on point with his personality. Mm-hmm. His personality is starting to bubble. Um, the hair. We've got it's parallel razor cuts. Get on, a wild on the side of his head. It's got kind of like an undercut thing going on with those two shaved lines. With the fluffy with hair. Fluffy at the top. It's yeah, not. It's not It's not flatting. his best look. Yeah. I no. preferred the faux hawk from season one. Uh, he does get better, trust us. Yeah. Um, he did. With, yeah. But the hair, just, just the hair. I, what are we doing, Greg? He also, his shirt wasn't too insane this time. It was just it like, actually like a no. brown striped yeah. number. It was, it, it was still like, a patterned shirt, but it wasn't yeah. like wild. It wasn't like, like big season bold one. or anything. Yeah. He, I also like that, you know what a switch is? <laughs> and the liquid latex just thing, a, it just, it's so funny to yes. me. That was his And moment. toward the, oh, when he, um, we'll have to look it up and maybe like make a video about it. Mm-hmm. Um, the, um, was it, was it with Nick that he was like analyzing something and he basically said like, was trying to tell about his quote-unquote fetishes or whatever and it's like please god yeah don't. like no like i'm good like we're, we're good like i don't need to know I like don't want to and know. he's trying to like open up like his little personality or whatever uh, and it's it's hilarious it makes really me... does try to do that a lot yeah shooting down yes and he like uh nick is just very reserved and he's like please yeah, please don't do that he's, yeah he's but he's trying to be a part of the team and greg is like fuck did you notice in season two like just the the uh episodes leading up to this yeah that greg is like just kind of just trying to insert himself and yeah. like follow people around like a little puppy. I love and he's just trying to be a part of the team. You will be. Yes. So, do we have any other notes or things to um, point out for this episode? We've kind of reached the end of what I've got. Yeah, no, as I, f- I feel like we've covered it yeah. uh, pretty good as far as like um, throughout the episode of mm-hmm. uh, all that. Alright. Well, we, um, do, we do have episode MVPs to pick. Yes. And 1000% it's Catherine for me. Absolutely. Like that sh- this episode was like oh my gosh. I loved yeah. it. I know it we was... had a lot of like inner looking, like looking inward from Grissom and like figuring himself out. Yes. And stuff, Which that was a close second. It was. Yeah, Grissom was close, but I liked that Catherine just like the confidence that she got from talking with Lady Heather and being yes. like, oh, yeah. I was like, yes, I see in your eyes. You're, you're growing, and I love it. Yes. Uh, so, like, the episodes leading up to this, um, I feel like Grissom is growing, mm-hmm. and, like, he's, like, getting, like, way better. But this this episode particularly was for more focused on women. Yeah. Um, so, I totally agree that Catherine deserves, yes. deserves that. Sarah's just... Sarah didn't have much to do this episode. A, she actually really did. She just kind of, like, 
She got thrown on the... Yeah, that... She got thrown... Her and Wart both got the short end of this episode. Yeah, they really did. Yeah. So, what do we rate this episode? You can go first. Um, I would say probably a four. Okay. Yeah. I gave it a four also. Yeah, it was was pretty good. It's solid. It was pretty intense. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And it flowed really well. Yeah. Even like with it, that, like, little tiny case in between. Yes. It actually, like, flowed really well. Yeah. With the, the characters. Yeah. So. So, yeah. No, I totally agree with that. Four across the board. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yes. All right. Any other final thoughts on Slaves of Las Vegas? Uh, the you episode. You know what switches? <laughs> <laughs> the title of the episode was a little... I was thinking the same thing. It's not Where? really... I mean, they mention at one point that submissives act as slaves, which is the point. But the... But they're not... The title of the... I don't know. It's, it was weird. The yeah, title was a little weird. It doesn't really fit the... It doesn't fit the vibe of the episode, like girl empowerment and stuff right. like that. It's, yeah. it's just like taken from like one line that somebody says that a submissive is a slave to the dominatrix in their like sessions. Yeah. But, like, Mona only did that on the side. That wasn't, like, her, like, main... Main to-do. Yeah. Yeah. So, I would rename it something else. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that was, was just me. a weird, um, weird title for mm-hmm. it. But, I mean, you know, they didn't yeah. ask our opinion for that, so... Yeah. yeah. No. Who are we to judge? Mm-hmm. No. Whatever. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. So, we made it through the first episode of season two. What, what? We are off to an excellent start for yes. season two, I think. This Absolutely. is wonderful. So... Thank you all for listening, as usual. Like we always say, head to our Instagram at SendUsToTracePod to just keep up with us, and we'll share our TikToks and stuff there, too. You can also head to our TikTok directly at SendUsToTrace, where we both get up to some antics, you could say. Little funny recaps yes. of the episode and of commentary, little sound bites and commentary. It's just, yes. It's a load of fun over it there. It is a lot of fun, especially Greg. Greg is coming into the scene a little more so yep. you're going to get a lot more, a lot Greg more Greg. greg's going to be a tiktok star yes. by the time we're done with him so yes. head over that way if you want to you want to catch up with us there or you can always send us an email if you've got some episodes that like i said that we skipped where like we have the therapist and like nick's you know abuse and grissom's thinking he might have autism all that stuff mm-hmm. if you've got any episodes in between the ranked episodes like that Send them to us at sendustotracepod at gmail.com. Yes, absolutely. Because we, if we could cover every single episode, we would. We would, we but we would time. be, we would be doing <laughs> this for like ten years uh, because there's uh, five hundred different episodes. Right, we're already going um, on a year with this fifty ranked ones. Yes, got, so. for sure. Um, but this is a lot of fun. We still want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have some input, uh, some input, input, <laughs> you got some input. Um, just let us know. Give us that input. Yeah, yeah. All right, folks. We hope you have a good week. And yes. And we will see you next time. See ya. Bye.